Hello, welcome to the third uh, G11 podcast uh, from Rough Copy Media. I'm your host, Andy Revel. Uh, on my left is Cal McMillan. Hello. And on my right is Stephen McElkenny. Hello. Hello. Right, uh, I think for today, guys, I think we're going to discuss the SNP manifesto. Is that right? Yeah, a bit of the manifesto and also um, why a vote for the SNP is not really a vote for, for yes or vice versa. Right. Um, a lot of people seem to be confusing it as, you know, well, if you voted yes, you're just voting SNP. Or equally, I didn't vote yes, so I can't vote SNP, which seems to be quite a common thing that people are suggesting. So kind of touching on those issues and manifesto vote for the SNP. And of course, the Lib Dems as well released their manifesto. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I'd get really joking. <laughs> um, the Lib Dems also released their, their manifesto today as well. So just touching on a few things that are going on in general. Cool, yeah. Um, I think the couple of things of housekeeping what you said about the SNP or a vote for independence as a vote for the SNP that was based on kind of a Freudian slip I made in the last podcast uh, which is quite a common mis- misconception of people voting SNP and voting yes the same thing also Stephen was there anything you wanted to edit <laughs> from the last podcast yeah when I was talking about uh, Trident not working I meant in terms of uh, you know you wouldn't be able to actually fire it which I know is no, where we no, got to the first place you're, you're confusing no, no. it again what you mean where is you wouldn't be able to fire it just like justifiably fire it in terms of a political landscape, not in the fact that it's made of bricks and cardboard <laughs> and doesn't. <laughs> um, so just to can you know clear that all up. Uh, right. Cool. That's, so that's, uh, and I think so. I, I made one mistake. Steve made one mistake. Callum Callum had a a clean lap. Yep. Pretty much. Right. I'm not saying that I'm amazing, but you guys are gonna set that for me. Right, so cool. nice one. Uh, okay, so who's who's going to lead off? We're going to talk about SNP manifesto to start with. Um, yeah, well, one thing kind of it's quite hard to find the SNP manifesto. Um, they have it on their their site, um, and it's, it's kind of a, a business manifesto. So they're saying you know they're arguing for Scotland to in the UK to remain part of the EU, support an increase in infrastructure investment, encourage UK governments to work cooperatively with business and employees. Continue with a small business bonus, push for transmission charging regimes which support Scotland's energy industry, keep pressure on the UK Treasury to do all it can support our oil and gas industry, and make the case for a targeted approach to business tax action, ta- taxation with targeted changes to tax allowances. And um, we're also kind of you know pressing for early devolution and um, focus on kind of funding boosts for house building and small businesses and uh, bedroom tax and, and things like that. But we, you know, we didn't really touch on it yesterday, and uh, I think it's interesting that the point that we're kind of talking about how yesterday Labour kind of slipped up. Looking at the SNP manifesto, the, the, they have made their differences quite well known, um, albeit it's hard to actually find the manifesto. Um, but that was one of the things we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I think I think the fact it's hard to find kind of runs on the point that well, the SNP are keen to make as much of an impact as they can and get some folk into Westminster. Their real concern was getting back into office in Scotland in 2016. So I don't think we're going to see a huge amount of push on things like manifesto approaches from the SNP in the run to general election. Or if we do, I'd be pretty surprised because they're the governing party in Scotland. That really should be their, their key interest over trying to uh, guarantee that they become the kingmakers of Westminster. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say, uh, Cal. What you say about the their main concern, really, for obvious reasons, is Scotland. So, are they that fussed about the you know, general election, Westminster elections? I'm, I'm unsure about that. 
do you think the fact that they're only based in Scotland makes them to some people unappealing? I mean, I mean, I don't mean sorry. English voters obviously they might find the SNP unappealing. I'm talking about people in Scotland. Do you reckon that in some ways puts them off voting for SNP? Have we seen as a wasted vote? I wouldn't think. Um, I wouldn't think it puts off anybody who could potentially vote SNP. I think if you don't, if you're not voting SNP, you've got pretty conservative reasons for that. Whether they're supporting one of the other traditional parties or another one of the smaller parties. I don't think that just the fact that they're sort of Scot- solely Scottish focused would put anybody off who might potentially vote for them. It's only going to put off... People that have been put off by the SNP have been put off for a whole lot of other reasons before you get anywhere near the, uh, the locale of the party, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think um, we were saying about English voters obviously being put off by the SNP, though. I think it's on the flip side of that, it's quite interesting to note that there's a lot of like you know, northern English people that are thinking they would like to vote SNP. I mean, just based on the the fallout from the independence referendum and how that kind of shook out. Yeah, it was. I'm just wondering if SNP if you don't stay in Scotland. Yeah, I want to be honest. That's kind of depressing that people even <coughs> to search that. That suggests that they can't read or don't understand. I, I, it's a bit harsh. You always find stupid Is stuff that people. You just you just said it was stupid. You get just promoted. No, you always find just you always find there's there's things that people don't know about, especially when like debates roll around, and it's like when Clegg Mania struck, and that was concerning <laughs> as it was. Yeah, you understand though that that kind of thing happens when a mm. huge televised event and something that's not commonly watched. It's like if it's like if Britain got to the final of elephant polo, probably a lot of people would be watching or googling the rules, like you know, because suddenly everyone's watching it. Are you comparing the SNP? No, to but I'm, I'm just saying. In, I'm just saying in terms in regards to like stupid events. It's one of those things where you know, you, or events you're not familiar with. You kind of look and, and try and find out for yourself. And at least people are looking into it. I suppose so that's one encouraging thing. Yeah, well, it's 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 encouraging in one way, but it's also like sad in a in a way. Not I'm not agreeing with Callum and that people are idiots because they want to vote for SNP. I'm saying that if they are looking at north of the border and thinking, hmm there's a party that I actually agree with and want to vote for that doesn't exist in my country, then that's a bit sad because there's clearly some sort of yeah, a vacuum that's not that. filled. It's a shame that that vacuum isn't filled up. And is that a failure of kind of Labour or, or other parties or is it just the fact that the SNP are offering something unique? What do you think? Relatively unique, I guess. Well, unique in terms of what the three or maybe even just two parties down south have been offering but that is kind of like saying that the SNP are the tallest dwarf like <laughs> crack that joke yesterday it's fine it's still a good joke I think that the, the metaphor rings rings true that the SNP are not they're not a radical party they might like to try and pretend that they are but actually they're not they're just left a centre they're still pre- they're still what I would term as a centrist party and though Labour and the Kyrgyz, I would say, fall to centre-right, they're still ultimately centrist parties. We're not talking about dealing with you know, Hitler and Stalin here in terms of differences. So I don't know that it is that they're u- unique, just that they're subtly different, and those sort of differences are played up by how little differences there are between the Conservatives and Labour. Yeah, yeah. I think what I'd add to that as well about... Um say like there's a political vacuum or something like that. I'm not sure about that. What I would say though is there's definitely, you know, a bias towards Westminster and like the Thames estuary kind of area. So if you're getting people usually I do stress the word usually because I don't know the exact figures, but 
folk from Yorkshire and Northern England and the Midlands and stuff thinking, oh, fancy voting SNP. It's it's the same reasons that Scots want to vote SNP because I think the further geographically you get away from London and Westminster and Number Ten, the less you feel represented by by the main parties. Yeah, the worst part is that London can outvote virtually all of these areas twice over. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's, it's interesting you talk about the kind of extremism of the SNP. Do you not think, in some ways, that independence is extreme? And at, at the end of the day, I know it's not mentioned in this year or this manifesto we've got, but surely the overall aim of the SNP is relatively extreme. I would. I've always said. I've always felt independence is quite an extreme thing. Like I, uh, I definitely wanted devolution max over independence. I want us to be able to have full control and full devolution of all powers. I don't see that we need to actually have a border or be a separate country to actually institute any of those things. Uh, so I did vote yes, but I voted yes because I thought it gave us better bargaining powers to eventually get devolution back. I never believed, based on the polls, that yes would actually push through. So I kind of stand by that. Were you swayed so, by the vote at all? <laughs> No, I wasn't swayed by the vote. I wasn't convinced by anything they were offering south of the border. I just genuinely thought that yeah, the yes position was better argued, better put forward, and the more momentum that gained, the more power it gave Scotland to be able to negotiate at a table for proper devolution max. The idea that we need to actually be a separate country, I think, is... If we wanted, that's fine. It wouldn't make much difference to me if we were, but I don't see that the actual being a separate country is essential. Can, anyway, so I would characterise that as an extreme view. Can either of you remind me, because my um, memory's not what it was, <laughs> um, when Devo Max was taken off the table? Because I can't quite remember. I don't think it was ever on the it table, was, really. It was a discussion prior to the referendum, yeah. as far as I understand, and then once it came to actually setting down the rules, it was taken off. Presumably the idea being that actually Devolution Max would probably have swept the board, right. and they, they didn't want that. Because, as, as Stephen mentioned in our last episode, uh, originally there, was, there wasn't much thinking that uh, independence would ever pick up any Yeah, I, I, any think, I think also one of the issues was the fact that they couldn't actually agree on what would be devolved under the Yeah, right, right yeah, so I think, it's I think too much of a willy term. I think, it was, I think it was a thing that the SNP wanted independence only, because I thought, I think if we were going to gun for anything, we may as well gun for a whole hog. And I think we tried to keep Debo Max on it, or one party did, but there wasn't really a, an agreement over what was under Debo Max. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, I, I saw a Think Tank article, or an article in the Herald today on a Think Tank about uh, full fiscal autonomy of, the, of Scotland that it would cost them, or leave a seven billion, or seven, well, some, some sort of billion uh, hole in the economy. I'm pretty sure it was seven billion they were claiming. It's just interesting when the SNP aren't you know, extreme, but then you get kind of get stuff like that coming out it's, it's interesting to, to see how other people view it you know yeah well I think just to bring it back to the point about um, independence or a vote for independence being an extreme kind of viewpoint or, or thing to try and tackle it is but I think just to kind of clarify my own position on it it's extreme but it's it's extreme Left, if you yes. think about it, I, I, extreme it's, is not a bad thing. Yeah, I, no. I should clarify. I didn't mean by extreme. No, yeah, no, 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 no pick it up on that at all. But I just think, yeah, it's it's extreme, but it's sort of you could use the phrase like militant liberal. I've heard before is yeah, I think I've heard is, those. is yeah. <laughs> so you think well, we want to be we want to go like Stephen says, go the whole hog. We want independence, and then, well, that's extreme. Yeah, it is extreme, but there's nothing wrong with it. Like, yeah. 
let's let's be honest here. It's not no. um, But just to actually pick up another point, Stephen made about the vow. We're talking about manifestos and do they constitute? This is what I will get done, and it will happen, and I'm not lying to you. What you know, I think the the vow scared a lot of people into voting. No, would that be fair to say? And we've now seen on the other side of the vote. I mean, is it happening? Are we getting it? Well, it's interesting. The Labour manifesto mentioned holding uh, holding up the promises uh, that were, were promised to Scotland. But then, as we discussed yesterday, it's a manifesto. It doesn't actually have to happen. I think the issue about the vow was, and I don't think it scared a lot. I think it scared a few people. I don't think the main thing it did was scare. I think it was a lot of people like Callum, not saying it affected Callum. A lot of people wanted Devo Max. And they thought, well, you know what, this this would work. This they thought it was a safer option. They thought it was a safer yeah, option, yeah. and they thought, no, we're not going to run the risk of losing, you know, the safety that comes to the UK, but we're going to get a whole lot of extra words. Let's go for it. And then, of course, I would think come out the other end, you get a little bit of stamp duty and control the road signs. Yeah, I Yay. would think that is probably the case. That if the vow affected people's uh, ideals, it probably was more based on yeah. uh, the, the feeling of safety rather than the feeling of fear. I think fear is used quite a bit by kind of. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the SNP, but I think it's used a lot by SNP media outlets and you know fans saying, "Oh, they scared everyone." I don't think anyone was really scared into voting. No, I think it was more they, they made the decisions yeah. on their own, and it wasn't and it, it, it appealed to their ideals. Yeah, it. no, I third, yeah, definitely agree with there. I mean, sort of playing devil's advocate in a way. I mean, we were talking yesterday. Yeah. If you if you want to look at fear tactics, you look at something like the headline, which is. Scotland, an independent Scotland faces invasion from Russia. That's fear tactics, right? Yeah. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. Um, but yeah, just to bring it back to the, the main point we're trying to talk about here, the SNP manifesto, how do you guys think it um, matches up? Well, that's what I was saying about uh, <coughs> what Labour missed, they missed the vote on yesterday. There's clear differences. You, you know what you're voting for and you know the differences between so they've got a strong, strong thing about Scotland's devolution. They've also got, you know, the, the aspects of part, uh, remain or fight for Scotland in the UK and in the EU. Clearly, saying they want to be kept in Europe, which is the reason I voted yes. Um, I'm, I don't like the idea of flirting with a, an EU referendum, even you know the fact that it might happen, even if it doesn't pass. I'm, I'm, I'm not liking the idea of flirting with it. Um, so you know, is that just because you're bad at flirting, or <laughs> <laughs> no? It's more the fact that it's like it's like what we touched on with the independence one yesterday. It was you know independence at an all time low. Yeah, you saw how quickly one campaign can catch up and, mm. and sway people, and uh, with the kind of the extreme politics to the right going down in uh, in England, I don't really like the idea of pandering to to any sort of UKIP supporters or even you know getting one thing that they suggested in their manifesto near going through Parliament. I it really scares me, I think EU is a good thing free trade for businesses and you know, the protection even brings keeps, keeps Europe at peace yeah, some things like that are, it just, uh, I don't like the idea of that but I think the SNP manifesto fairly strong I think for, for saving their ace in the holes for, uh, for 2016 not a mention of independence in it which I thought was quite an interesting tactic we talked about Nicola Sturgeon having to build bridges it's probably a smart play for now because you don't want to keep banging that drum. Well, yeah, she got she got pressed on the in the debate, didn't she, up in Aberdeen? She did, I? And she said it's not on it's not on the cards this manifesto because we can't. Or she said not talked about it, this manifesto because you know it's not we haven't got the support of the Scottish electorate, which I thought was quite interesting because you know is she saving for twenty sixteen? 
are they taking off the cards or not altogether? But you know, I think if they see it for twenty sixteen, they're bringing it up again far too soon. I think the S and P if they want if they want to get a landslide over next time, even if they wait another four years after that, but they need they need to show if they get the people they're getting in Westminster, they need to show that they can influence in Westminster for the positive, and if they continue to influence for the positive in Holyrood, then next time around, I don't see why they couldn't storm independence. I think if they do it too soon, it comes across as it comes across as making them look like a single issue party, which I think they need to avoid because they're not. Yeah. And there's a lot, of, not all the media, but there are certain aspects of the media, like say the Tory Graph, for example. Uh, I've got to scared up and getting any kind of job with them, really, haven't I? <laughs> uh, they they would push essentially the idea that the SNP are kind of akin to UKIP and that they're a single issue party, yeah. which they're not. In the same way that the Greens aren't a single issue party, but some some papers do still portray the Greens as if they are a single issue party. Yeah, and it's just the environment. And yeah. I think if the SNP play the independence card, they're they're playing to. If they even want to look at it just in the terms of the outcome of the independence debate, they're actually playing to a minority, and that to me seems daft when people that still support the SNP with the ultimate goal of independence would presumably continue to support the UK event waiting another few yeah, years. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think there's no need, and I think it would actually, to be honest, it would be daft of them to, to keep banging on about independence having just lost the referendum. Um, it would probably turn a lot of people off it. I mean, like just in terms of like the court of public opinion, they'd be sick of hearing about it. So this kind of goes back to our general thought, which is, you know, if you vote SNP, are you voting or are you, are you in favour of independent Scotland? It's interesting that the the polls, latest poll from TNS, said that fifty two percent of Scotland Scottish voters are are voting SNP, which implies a sort of you know land across the board landslide. But another point I want to bring up was about the. Quebec uh, referendum in '95, uh, the Parti Québécois, um, they never really raised independence again, and that lost by one percent. It never became top of the public agenda again. You're talking, you know, uh, twenty years ago now. I mean, is it one of those things where if the SNP don't strike when the iron's hot, and there was a feeling of resentment towards, you know, the vow, and people are a lot smarter. And so, you can think about it this way. You're potentially looking at a referendum in twenty twenty one. It's only what's that's you know it's not not long. It's not it's not that long. But equally are the SNP kind of running the risk if they don't have the one again soon that it fades off the political agenda, or was it was it such a movement and such a kind of sweeping success in regards to bringing and politicising a nation? Do you reckon they've got a chance later on? I, I, I definitely think they've got a chance uh, later on down the road. I mean, my knowledge of Canadian politics isn't great right but I know that in Scottish politics independence has come up time and again it's come up in the past it's come up recently and it will come up again in the future so I mean when was the, the Quebec 95. 95 right I think the thing about what I was saying yesterday about the younger generation voting for independence they're going to get older they're going to still vote for independence. You would think the younger generation coming through after them would vote independence as well. I think the key thing is that if the SNP continue to be in a position of influence, it's going to be very difficult for that, for the overall thing of independence not to remain on the table in some way, shape or form. If the SNP suddenly wilted, disappeared, I could see it being an issue for them. If they continue to be in majority government, which I think at the moment looks more than likely by the time the next referendum came around, 
I don't really need to do is just keep it in the and even just the way in the background it's been so far, even if they continue it like that. Yeah, the reality is when, when we're talking about almost about two years before the referendum, the, the beginnings of campaigning towards it yeah. started. So in reality, you're not talking about when is the referendum, you're talking about when does the campaigning for the next referendum yeah. begin. So yeah. you take that from about five years to three. But I mean, it is, it is quite a dilemma though when you think about it. When that, I know we're not, none of us here are experts on Canadian politics, but you know, that was a 1% or, vote. Or British politics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but it was, I mean, it was a 1% vote. When you think about it. Yes, and, and it, much closer and it, than what and it failed to ever kind of come up the agenda again. And they had a similar thing with the you know, kind of promise was brought to them. And that, I mean, it's 1% vote, and it's never really came to the top of political radar again. I think the SNP are, I, think, I agree that they can't do it in 2016 in terms of, but should they have it on the manifesto? Or is it, you know, are the SNP just going to be known as a party that won independence? I think they'll be known. I think it's kind of implied that it's always part of their ultimate goal, really, isn't it? You yeah, I would say Even so if it's not yeah. written down on the manifesto. Yeah. Although, as you say, it might well end up on the 2016 manifesto in some way, shape, or form, yeah. even if it's a, to establish a date for a further referendum or something, if it turns up like that. Yeah, but even saying that implies it's going to be in the next five years. To establish a date, to me, implies mm-hmm. it's going to. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's a difficult one. I, um, I think. Um, like or sorry, unlike uh, Torek and what you were talking about there, Scots for me anyway related to like Westminster politics and stuff like that. Scots have a long memory when it comes to these sorts of things, right? The Tory party's dead in Scotland and has been ever since I can remember, right? Since I was born. So in the same way, I don't think independence is going to go away. I think it's still going to be. It's all kind of tied. I know they're not the exact same. Thing, but they're all kind of tied in. So you know, the, aspect of Scottish mentality. Yeah, the the Westminster kind of power that they have, obviously, because it's the capital city and all yeah. the rest of it, is related to, in some way, Thatcher and what she did to Scotland, the Tory party, what they did to Scotland. So they're dead in Scotland. So they might want to break away, and I, th- I don't, I just don't think it's going to go away, like it did in Canada. It's it's interesting though. Um, I was reading an article by John McDermott, and he said. Um, the SNP voters were behaving rationally without by not putting independence on their manifesto, and and the voters were as well for not wanting it. Um, he said that to give the S voters what they want right now would be an affront to democracy, which yeah, seems right with forty five percent. Do you think there's some sort of hypocrisy though when Labour and the Conservatives seem to be affronted with the amount of SNP or the potential amount of SNP MPs? coming down to the I think, I think that's, that's childish I think that, that stinks of the old boy club mentality that Nicholas Sturgeon quite rightly keeps bringing up and it's a you can't come play at our party you've not been here before but yeah. that, that, that's not how demo- democracy is not about who's been there before democracy is about who can be there and who the people yeah. put there yeah. so I would I would say that's I would say any kind of backlash thing around that is definitely a result of uh, bad attitudes down south and I would actually probably say mostly bad attitudes along the professional political class more than people down south. I'm sure there are plenty of people down south who don't like the SNP for a lot of reasons, but I think it would be ridiculous to say that it's the south that doesn't like us in the north. This isn't Game of Thrones. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. North of the wall. Sort of thing, yeah, definitely. No, I, I just think it's interesting. You, you discussed there, I'm going to bring us on to something else actually, just randomly. But, Please um, do. <laughs> well, you were discussing the Conservative Party kind of being dead in Scotland, and they have been dead since you know, any of us were born. 
but uh, a poll from the Financial Times said that only 6% of those that voted yes intended to vote Labour. And another poll found that the most typical uh, part are people to vote uh, for SNP were nothing to do with yes voters. It was disenchanted Labour supporters and form, like you know, long-standing members of the SNP. Um, I just think it's quite interesting when we talk about you know SNP kind of the huge rise from independent movement. We've, we've kind of taken it off the cards for this manifesto. Do you think you know in, in that regard it's going to come back and haunt them? Is that going to also kind of is it killed Labour the referendum? It's killed, it's killed Labour in the incarnation they were in before. They're not going to come back the way they were in Scotland, which I think is a good thing because I think uh, there's a good chance there were a lot of people that joined the Labour Party in Scotland because joining Labour got you into power rather than they felt that they should join the Labour Party because they feel with his ideals, which say what you want about the Conservatives down south. I think everybody in that party probably agrees with the Conservative ideals, apart from those few that fled to UKIP because they clearly have a clue what's going on. Uh, and I would, I, I, I almost respect people that are down south and accept the party more who believe what they're doing is right. They mean, I completely disagree with them, but they believe what they're doing is right in some way, even if they believe that actually helping out the people at the top is better for whatever reason because they think the wealth shrinks down or some other nonsense. Uh, they believe what they're doing is right. I think there was a lot of people in Scottish Labour that did it because that was the means to an end, not because they even believed in what Scottish Labour was. And I think part of that was because as Andy mentioned about the death of the Conservatives in Scotland, what, what Thatcher essentially sounded that, that death knell, and that was it. So then it was a case of, well, I want to try and get into power, I want to try and lose that. So I joined Scottish Labour, not because I think Scottish Labour is the best way to influence things. Yeah, because they're not Tories, yeah. basically. Yeah, I think it's, it's something that comes up. That, that's the way it was in Scotland for yeah. a long time, was people in Scotland vote Labour, uh, and they don't vote Tory. So even if you believed in being a Tory in Scotland, like if you wanted to get into power, then surely you wouldn't, no, I don't think you wouldn't nail your colours to the mass, like, and say I'm a Tory, because if you do that in Scotland, then I mean, is yeah. it, are you going to get anywhere? You might win a seat, but so what? Like, you're not going to get into Hollywood, are you? It's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. Um, yeah. I I just really think that Labour need to. Uh, yeah, but I think I think also Labour. The way you even elect a leader and, and things like that is totally outdated. You know, one one third of the, the votes go, go come from trade unions and stuff like that. And I know that's at their heart, but it's just interesting that fact. Six only six percent of yes voters. And think how many people voted in our, in this country. Only six percent of them tend to vote Labour. I mean, that's a Financial Times poll, but it's still a, a crazy fact when fact when you look at that. So have they alienated that sort of Labour? Yeah, have, have, have they, yeah. they just totally alienated themselves from a from a huge I, political point? Part of it's not so much even actually the way they dealt with the referendum. It's actually been the way they've dealt with themselves post-referendum. They look like a confused... Like, 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 yeah, they just, they don't, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Now that you mean that between uh, London Labour and Scottish Labour, I mean that just within Scottish Labour. And I think actually a lot of people are just turned off by the complete lack of disorganisation and, and coherence. Yeah. as much as they are anything to do with independence yeah, well, and the SNP to their credit are very coherent yeah. very articulate some of the stuff maybe doesn't quite add up some of it's way really a bit extreme the way you might look at it but yeah. they are putting their views across as yeah. you said their manifesto makes it perfectly clear where they stand I don't, I don't want to get on the bandwagon again of, of bashing Ed Miliband but 
he's the head of the party and you're talking about this organisation and not really like a clear voice and a clear message and stuff and I, I watched a video I don't know when it was put up but it was on Facebook it appeared on my wall and it was an interview with Ed Miliband talking about some strike that was going on I don't know what exactly it was it doesn't really matter but he he had clearly had a script that was maybe five or six sentences long he clearly had that he was asked the same question maybe sorry different questions maybe five or six different questions and he just read out the different sentences in a different order in reply right he did that in the leaders debate and he's you know he does that with with journalists and stuff and it's just like people have got wise to it now you can't just sit down and go I think this is bad because it's terrible and what, what, what else do you think well I think it's terrible and, it, and I think it's bad and it's just like it's disorganised and it's rubbish and I think that definitely applies to Scottish Labour as well and I think it's, it is in part related to the independence referendum because they said with the Tories and whoever else south of the border they said yep yeah, we'll give Scotland this and that and whatever they want sure just don't vote yes and then people didn't vote yes and they went oh yeah but uh, actually I don't think I'll bother with all that stuff I said and it's the Tories and it's Labour and it's everyone else that said Scotland can have this Scotland can have that and they big fat didn't do it I think it's interesting though one thing I was going to ask um, we all stay in different areas of Scotland Greenock Helensburgh south side of Glasgow in my neck of the woods anyway have I got that wrong yeah, I stayed in uh, Dunoon. Oh, Dunoon, sorry. Sorry, sorry. my bad. It's not, it's not the same. It's not at all. I just got confused. I do apologise. Your Jeremy Clarkson moment there, just tagging yeah. everybody with the same brush. Doesn't sorry. matter where they're from. Dunoon. Right. But, no, but see, in, in South Africa, I've only received Labour leaflets through the door, and they've all came via Royal Mail, <laughs> which is slightly... <laughs> I mean, I've not even... I've, I think... So, Nicola Sturgeon is... Uh, in my MSP, I'm in Glasgow Central. Central, I'm in Glasgow Central. So uh, Anna Sarwar is currently my MP. Right. But I've only received Labour leaflets. I've not received an SNP one. I don't know if that's a sort of strategy or if I'm alone in this. I I have received SNP stuff down the road in Inverclyde because uh, apparently it's going to be really marginal. I'm sceptical about that. If I'm honest. How, how do you think Inverclyde will go? I think it'll probably, pro- probably stick Labour. Yeah. Maybe close, but I don't think the SNP have made enough headway. Po- or not that I've come across locally, but I am spending a huge amount of time trying to break out of that town because I ashamedly <laughs> don't want to be there. So I'm maybe not the best one to come around politically. Like, just it's it's a, a dead end town at the moment, and part of that is because it's been run by Scottish Labour, who have been ineffective for a long time. Mm. Yeah. I would say and they haven't helped out the interests of the people down there and that's part of the reason they make me want to get out because I don't like being there well I think I'd, I mean I don't live there but I live you know just to, across the water in Dunoon and this is all I mean I'm, I'm going to mention bring up Trident again but this was during the Cold War the American Navy was based in the Holy Lord right so Dunoon and it, I bet it affected Inverclyde as well like Greenock and Gurk and all that lot they were booming right they had a population of you know 5,000, I don't know how many Navy personnel were there, but like an extra town's worth of people paying into the economy. Cold War ends, the rugs pulled out from under you, there's, it's, and Reclyde is, is fairly run down, it's fair to say. The, the more the yeah. shipbuilding collapses, yeah. it becomes shipbuilding is, uh, yeah. shop 
what what remains of shopping centres, call centres, and uh, supermarkets. Yeah, we've we've got call centres and supermarkets, and that's about it. In Dunoon, we've got a call centre and a supermarket, two supermarkets. That's it, right? That's your main employer. So, I would though going back to the point Stephen said about earlier on about. People move voting the SNP despite the extreme views. Like I've gone on record in this saying that I think the independence reward is extreme, not bad extreme, but extreme. Yeah. But I would vote SNP, and I would do that based on purely actually on the issue of education, which I know seems weird because I spent all this time bashing single issue parties. But I think the reality is you're never going to find a party you agree with every issue on, right? So you no. have to no. you have to find the ones that are important to you. And to me, education is the most important one. Education is the great leveler. It gives everybody opportunities, and the fact that it's free in Scotland yeah. is help part of what makes a lot of things in this country. Yeah, the education needs reform, but it doesn't quite work at all. There's lots of problems with it, and the curriculum for excellence nonsense should just be renamed curriculum for excrement because it's ridiculous <laughs> and it doesn't work. I don't care what the SNP say for that; it doesn't work. We didn't do it properly, but free further education is important. It's what allows me to sit here and what yeah. allowed me to go to university for the first time. I need to go back and do a master's degree and to push myself into a reasonably self-indulgent career path that I'm starting to gain some sort of gradual success in. Yeah. And that's because of education, not because anything else. And I, I had the opportunities and I worked hard at it and I think everybody deserves those opportunities. And they might say so to the board that you get them, but you only get them if you can afford £9,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. Which is not an equality. And I think education is the key to empowerment and if we don't empower people, then that's why you get stuck in broken systems yeah. like first past the post and a two-party system we've got down south. Yeah. And I think that needs to stop. And I think, to me, vote for someone like the SNP who put that kind of focus on education would be the right vote because long-term, that would achieve the goals that I want to achieve that I've just laid out there. Yeah, I think uh, I definitely agree with you with the education part of it because... I mean, south of the border, yeah. I mean, anyone can go to university south of the border, but it's this kind of classic thing of, well, it's if you can't afford it, it's too ex- it's too expensive, and if you can't afford it, then it's, it's it's absolutely fine. So it's just it's it's an odd one because up here, okay, you, you've got to pay for it, you've got to pay for free education, but you just do it because you think it's for the greater good, right? It's kind of like the national health service. It's not ideal, of course, it's not, of course, it's. There are going to be problems. Stuff's going to get done wrong and all the rest of it. But you still want it. You still got to protect it. And it's I think it's the same with with the free education. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> what's really interesting in, in general terms of like voting patterns and, and things like you know, devolved issues and, and issues such that is in general elections I've always voted Labour. In Scottish elections I've always voted SNP. And I've always had that sort of difference because I know what's devolved and what's not and that's always swung how I vote because I always feel like oh well if it's a general election I have to vote Labour because SNP can never govern whereas now I'll, I'll never vote Labour now I tend to vote SNP in this election because I think we've got Scotland's you know, issues at heart but I think it's interesting how when you bring up free education and, I, and issues that have been devolved I think the SNP have really proved that they can do quite a, a decent and thorough job to be fair yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, just to, to bring up that point, you said you used to general elections, you vote Labour. Scottish elections, you vote SNP. You said you've changed your opinion on that, but 
what what do you think is the kind of likelihood of tactical voting, especially in Scotland, because you know we have kind of a quasi important say in what happens in West. There's there's discussions in Gordon, isn't there, of uh, a, a surge towards Lib Dem from Conservative. Gordon, yeah, where Alex Salmond is because so many people are against Salmond. You know who Lib Dem candidate in Gordon yes, is, don't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. God's sake, Christine Jordan, our former Lib. <laughs> No but no, there's, there's a, she's the close, she's the second, you know, second favourite. I would like Christine to win, I like Christine a lot, but I, I don't I see how she can stand up to Alex Salmond as, no. a, as, a, as an orator and a, a deliverer of rhetoric, really, but if I'm honest. And just, apparently there's a, I was reading an article today, I think, I can't remember where it was actually, but I was reading an article today, I think tactical votes don't go both ways, we'll get onto that later, but it, this was one was, the Lib Dems are, you know, second there in the polls and apparently a lot of people were intending to vote conservative are now like well i might vote you know because i'm going to waste my vote arguably by voting for a, a candidate vote will win mm-hmm. i'd rather vote against alex Salmond because he's also quite a personality yeah he, he is he is the very definition i of think i think tactical voting will play a large role in this election but i think it will be absolutely huge in 2016. i think the scottish election will see the most tactical ever seen before with a lot of people that voted yes voting SNP and then Greens and then um, I don't know another party but I, I think for the first time ever I'll use my four preferences in this in the Scottish election when mm. I go join there's another chance I'll do that as well actually yeah. I think, yeah. and I don't think I mean because let's face it it'll never go to more than four preferences yeah the paper I, I think more than four preferences would actually be absurd yeah but my, my even point, if there are more parties my point yeah, is, yeah. I, think, I think usually what I've done is you know in Scottish elections SNP won and then just bunged it in the ballot Mm. I think this time I'll be SNP 1 and Greens 2 and then I'll actually probably put tactical just in case that I, I accidentally give some sort of here's a point do you think I've seen a lot of people get very angry about this I'm not quite sure why because the information has been available for a long time but everyone said to re-register to vote yeah because the new voting thing right a lot of people get very angry it's a conspiracy they're trying to keep us out of having our saying all that yeah. that they sent letters to us all. <laughs> it's, it's been on the internet. Yeah. They emailed. It's been in the papers. It's been on the TV. I don't know what, what more they you've want. Got, you've right. got you've got another what four days to register? No, four days to register. So probably by the time this goes out, because imagine we put this up next week rather than like tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. It's a redundant thing. But do you think that will affect how many people could potentially turn out? Now, the hundred percent electorate aren't going to turn out, right? I would be amazed if you get as much many people turned out as if it's Scottish referendum. But nope. do you think there will be people who had every intention of turning out who now won't be able to because they've just not... I mean, I don't want to toil in my brush, but because they've not bothered to... Yes. Do you think, and do you think that will then affect the outcome? No. I don't think it'll affect the outcome. I don't think there's, any, there's going to be any sort of... I don't think... It, well, I'm actually saying that. In Rookland, was, what, 89 seats or something in the referendum campaign? Some, uh, Some, so it could. But I, I just don't think it will. I think even in areas where... You know, it's, it's between SNP and Labour or SNP Lib Dem, I think it'll be a huge surge towards SNP. Yeah. I do think they might win by smaller margins than expected, and perhaps as a result of that. I think just really to you know, re-register and to vote and all the rest of it, I, I know for a fact that every single election there is, any time there's always one person, at least one person that shows up that is not registered or that has got the wrong end of the stick somehow with things like proxy voting or, or they postal voted and they try and vote at the ballot box and stuff um, 
And I do think, you know, I'm going to bash the mainstream, quote-unquote mainstream media again, but I think it's more of an issue. It's made out to be more of an issue than it is with people showing up that think they're still registered, but are. You presume there'll be ways that they'll logistically work around this because they have to do it all the time anyway. Well, yeah. yeah that's probably fair as well, actually. I think, it, I mean, it's it's obviously, there's going to be people that thought, oh, I thought I was registered already. There's going to be people like that, of course there are. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal so as to affect the outcome of the election. You know, it's not going to be a vast swathe of yeah. Lib Dem voters that were like, what? Yeah. Didn't get that memo, right? Yeah. To touch on what you were saying there, even about the, the mainstream media thing, because I do think the mainstream media are still genuinely just interested. And part of this may be financial interest, but I don't really know. I don't know enough about the ins and outs of who owns the technical papers, apart from the Guardian, because they're owned by that trust. So I think we can reasonably assume they're pretty independent, apart from having a labour bias of their own. And the independent, you would hope we're still independent. Well, we would like to think so. Yeah. Uh, so I think intrinsically the broadcasters, that especially, still have an interest in the two-party system. That's what they've grown up in. That's where their contacts work. That's where everything runs for them. Even though in Scotland you see certain newspaper groups having people like Patrick Harvey and that write regular columns and people from other yeah. parties I'm not convinced that any of them genuinely are doing that out of a we need to give we, we have an obligation to give everybody the widest political spectrum I think a lot of them are doing it for sales and for hits and I think sometimes that comes across yes. I think that paradigm needs to change papers again the only ones I can really think of what maybe they don't work as much is probably the Guard, only the Guardian's website because they'll publish almost anything and comment is free so there's enough stuff that goes on through there that is genuinely put forward by people who want to make viewpoints. Yeah. Uh, the National, I guess, the National does set its agenda pretty straightforward, and I believe when it puts people like Patrick Harvey in that and it does regular stuff, it's because they want to expose his view, because yeah. it's a pro-independence view, as opposed to being like an SNP view or anything else. But there's very few media that do that, I think. So many of them are still hugely interested in the two-party system. I mean, you might come to Nicola Sturgeon making, fact, making a comment about the fact that it's... Uh, so impressive that like she's a woman, yeah. And having that, I'm kind of like what? Like it's just impressive that she's an impressive orator and can put her arguments across and keeps her cool and makes her arguments strong and is passionate about what she believes in. Yeah. Her her gender has nothing to to, to do with no. it. No, absolutely not. But she has she has played some gender issues relatively well, like a fifty percent cabinet first yeah. equal split. Well, that, 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 yeah. that's just something I think that should people, but most people I think when they think about it should go well yeah that kind of makes sense because yeah. I would imagine if you, if you interviewed everybody who went for all these jobs anyway if you actually went for genuinely the best candidate she would probably end up with not much one way or the other I would think yeah and, and if he did I think you could probably it's kind of peeling an onion you would think if he didn't you would think, well, why is that? Because if yeah. you take a step back, then well, women didn't get a fair shake in education, women didn't get a fair shake with this, women didn't get, and you keep kind of going deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper. And to a certain extent, a lot of things are still influenced, like, I don't say old people, but people who are older of our generation are the people who make big employment decisions. Yeah. So their prejudices, even if they've kind of tried to shake them to the best of their intentions or not, will still influence the hiring of people and all that. So yeah. I think that would also account like, for any kind of discrepancies. Yeah, you're, you're also kind of getting into the the territory of in the states anyway I don't know they maybe have a similar thing here but affirmative, ac- affirmative action yeah. uh, hiring which is you know, sort of tries to redress the bias of you know, not hiring minorities by hiring more minorities mm-hmm. deliberately and making a conscious effort and I think there's something to be said for maybe trying to do that like you said but what 50-50 split in the cabinet yeah. whether that was done deliberately or it just so happened no it was it was done as a deliberate yeah well deliberate then measure. great Right, because you know that's ideal. That's really what you it's want. A step in the right direction. Yeah, to yeah, a certain yeah. extent, 
because it is, has been largely patriarchal up until now, you've kind of got to make some uh, quota-based moves yeah, 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 to address the balance for the long term. Yeah. Because in 10 years, you won't have to have... Uh, you won't have to go. We have to make sure we have a gender split. You will just have something that's more yeah. in place where yeah. it is more equal. Because if if you if you then it's, it's the stepping stone between the ideal and the yeah. I mean, if because if you start off like you say with with the patriarchy and then go right, well, it's going to be even now. It's still not even because you know these things take years and years and years yeah. to iron out. So you're still kind of also if up. you think the patriarchy doesn't exist, fuck you. You're yeah. wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, so like you're wrong. Just just to bring us back. Also, if you're men, just fuck you. If you're wrong. <laughs> Just to bring this back a wee bit, just tone it down a little bit. No, <laughs> no, just just, not. just to bring it back to to the election. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, what? The, <laughs> the, that? the latest YouGov poll has came out. Oh, um, this would be quite oh, interesting. So, uh, SNP and Greens, who we've kind of touched yep. on, predicted between them to get forty six seats. Labour three hundred seven, three hundred seven. Conservative two six one, two hundred sixty one, and then Lib Dems, who I was about to touch on everything news bright shiny manifesto uh, 14 seats what about UKIP um, UKIP one. one one seat where's that interestingly uh, a UKIP average, seat, yeah. UKIP average poll has seen them go from 17% to be like before the television debates to 12.7% like from January to April we're talking that's that's quite a big slip when you look at it's a huge slip it's a huge slip in the right direction <laughs> and that, that yeah. proves me wrong I, I made a point in, in the first G11 podcast of, of Farage being one of the best politicians of that you, you made politicians in a totally disparaging yeah, no, way I did, I, I did. think any, anything that screams yeah. Farage in a disparaging way is absolutely 100% but I, I am I'm pleased that their approval is down on I, what I it was still, because and, and I don't want to obviously we're, we're kind of unbiased in this podcast, in that we don't have any, well, I don't have a job at the moment, so I'm not trying to like bang the drum for any any particular party. But I think UKIP, in particular, are ridiculous. So anything that tells me that they're they're, they're an down, example of an extreme that is absurd yeah. and yeah. dangerous in the way the SNP are, are the other end of the. I think that that anything spectrum. anything that shows me that they are down in the ratings is is Problems. music to my ears. Is a, yeah. But the reason I brought this up obviously is just well, a is relevant and new, which is exciting. But this is digital Nick, content at its cutting edge. Nick Clegg came out today, I don't know if you saw it, um, and he's, it's an interesting soundbite. He said, The choice is me, Salmon, or Farage. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Available Dem Did, manifesto. Does he know? I, I glanced at it, yeah. The main point so, balance the budget fairly through a mixture of cuts and taxes of high earners. Increase tax free allowance to 12,500. Yeah. Guarantee education, because we know how good the Lib Dems are with education. To, from nursery so to nineteen to an extra two point nine billion in qualified teachers in every class. Invest eight billion in NHS. Wait, classes where there aren't qualified teachers. And fight uh, five new laws to protect nature and fight climate change. Now, I, I just think the thing that's interesting, we're we'll bringing it back to the SNP in some regard, is Salmond hasn't been appointed as you know the Westminster representative of the SNP. No one has. It's just interesting. I mean, arguably, it could be Ang- Angus Robertson who's been there. Is what he currently holds yeah, one of the yeah. six seats mm. of the SNP have. I just think, and it goes back to the tactical voting thing we touched on with Lib Dems. Is he such a figure, a bogeyman sort of caricature that people are, you know, being used in the same breath as Farage as yeah. a, an aspect of fear? I, I, I'm not sure about the fear one, but what I would say is, I think, 
I mean, this is obviously just my opinion, but I think the Westminster politicians are somewhat scared of Salmond in that, and then run up to the indie ref. He ran rings around them. So, I mean, there's a reason that guy won politician the year all the time. He, yeah. is, uh, he is an incredible orator, and he's very, very good with rhetoric, and he's always very prepared. Yeah. Which is something that a lot of Westminster politicians don't seem to consider. Yeah, you, you never catch him off guard. Yeah. yeah. Although I would like to say I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he's a terrible person either. But yeah, Lib Dem manifesto done. It's that political, political non-entity. Fourteen this, seats for Lib Dem seems crazy, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, I kind of you, think that. Do, do you think crazy high or crazy low? Well, number? Just from our, sort of what we were, you know, these. Mm. You just kind of saw them as being like a kingmaker party. But I think I think that poll's probably wrong. I think the SNP and Greens will get more between. It's them probably a good thing to mention that all polls are about what plus or minus seven. Yeah. People need to take all polls with a pinch of salt. And also understand statistics. It's a limited base. Yeah. It's not. They've not asked everybody in the country. Yeah. No, I know. But just, I'm not not getting used to even just people in general because I think sometimes people are a bit keen to throw, especially infographics yeah. and things on social media, and go, "Oh, this proves this," and you go, "Well." Does it? What? 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 Yeah, what? Yeah. But no, I, I just think in looking at that poll, I mean, is that is that how it's going to go? Are Labour going to have the most? Do you think? Or, I mean, I just think it's interesting because I, I, I think the Lib Dems will get around that. I think Green and SNP will get more. I think UKIP will get more, and I think maybe Labour and Conservatives might get less. I think UKIP are going to pinch a few seats, but I'm four to six in my prediction. I wouldn't imagine any more. Any more than six would seem absurd. But you know, I think it's just quite interesting how, as well, in looking at that poll and Lib Dems fourteen, you also have Salmond and the SNP sort of entity being used as a, a bogeyman. But the best thing about this whole Nick Clegg thing is that when he was delivering his speech, there was children's handprints behind him. Like, you know, like you know, like you'd seen a the children his education he stole. Yeah, I like to think it's like children trapped in a sort of <laughs> debtless box. Where he can never pay to get out, and he's just kind of kind of stuck there for the next five years. Like, Nick, let us out. I think that's basically what it is. But it's just it's just quite an interesting. I, I would like to disagree myself from the idea of Nick uh, Nick Clegg is some sort of weird version of the child catcher. I think no, I mean, yeah, no I, I, right, when I say children, I mean like students. But you know what I mean, like yeah. just students stuck there, kind of hands against the wall, Shaun of the Dead <laughs> style. I think yeah, just okay. to again just to bring it back to quasi scene chat. Um, the Lib Dem manifesto, right? Yep, yeah, I agree with Callum. We've said it before and say it again. Political non-entity, as far as I'm concerned. But a couple of things I did look look at the Lib Dem manifesto. A lot of it seems pretty good, but well, they've just right, but they've kept themselves. Yeah, but they fucked themselves by going in with the Tories. So like huge mistake. Like okay, they pass a zero carbon Britain act to settle new legally binding target to bring greenhouse emissions to zero by 2050. Brilliant. Who gives a fuck? Because it came from the Lib Dems, right? And, you know, like the... the Your personal the privacy, wasn't it? Per- personal allowance uh, tax to, what is it, 12 and a half grand, right? There was another one here, which is... Okay, it's a personal issue, but this is the point about politics, right? So this is why I would vote for them, but won't, because they're rubbish. <laughs> is conduct a review of the fairness of uh, the work capability assessment and personal independence payment assessments. I personally got fucked over by the ridiculous um, process of the work capability assessment. So if they're going to review it, then great. But because it's the Lib Dems, who cares, right? So you can have the best policies in the world, but if you go in with the Tories when you claim to be liberal, then you're, you know, you're, you're done as far as I'm concerned. So 
Yeah, I, I'm, I didn't really want to have the final word on that, but... Yeah. I think we're running towards done as well. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, I'm finished. We've decided Lib Dems are done. That's a good point for us to end. Lib Dems are done. You kept her on, on the down. Yes. You're on the down, which is good for me. Yes. I really I mean, like. I, again, though, that's one poll, but still. Yes. So we're, we're showing where there's a decline in sort of popularity. I'll take that poll. Interesting to see predictions for tomorrow's debate. Anyone care to... There's a debate tomorrow. There's a debate tomorrow. Is, good knowledge. Oh. Is Cameron... <laughs> Are Cameron and Clegg is being dubbed as the opposition debate? Maybe it's a better thing to finish on. Mm. Yes, we'll finish on a strong. Yeah, yeah. although yeah. Lib Dems being dead is pretty strong. But anyway, yeah, uh, debate tomorrow night. It'll obviously have been, been long gone by the time this yeah, comes out. But, yeah. predi- but predictions for it and is Cameron or are Cameron and Clegg damaging themselves by not appearing? I think so. Well, I, I, it's yeah, it's kind of a double edged sword for me. I uh, you know we we've also got this this WhatsApp group that we've talked about in the last one. I can't be arsed with TV debates because the f- the first one I watched the seven leader debate. You know, you got four questions and they're obviously selected. They're it's not a free for all for obvious reasons. Of course, it's not going to be just everyone standing up and yelling stuff, but it's very selective, very censored. Not by more by kind of uh, necessity than really like people trying to silence folk, but it's just like it's a dog it's and a pony show. Platform. Yeah, it's like meh. And even to the point where they had a heckler who, conspiracy theorists might say, was planted there because someone swung the boom mic over to her when she started talking. It's I just think that like, just suggests that somebody who operates a boom mic would suddenly swing it towards somebody who's not no, what, I, no, that's why I said conspiracy theorists, <laughs> yeah. so, but I would hope so. I would hope it was just like, oh, she's talking, so... But conspiracy theorists can also do one just for that record. It's interesting you say that, though, because we were talking about you know, the most searched term and we were talking about earlier being a, a stupid term. But debates work in that regard. People well, that's, that's true. Well, that's yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I maybe have to retract that last statement. And our... Are Clegg and Cameron damaging themselves? I think yes. I think Miliband. Yeah, no, I'd say I yeah. think Miliband had the most to gain from debates anyway. Yes, not, I, I think mean, he's gained a lot from them. He has, oh, saw, despite saw, cocking them up, because he just reads from a card. Yeah, he reads from really a card. Really upsetting. Really down yeah, it's really upsetting to watch. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're a, a necessary evil. I think they're shit, and I hate watching them. But they do get people talking, which is good. And so. Cameron Clegg probably the biggest losers without even showing up. Yeah, it's probably the biggest losers going anyway. Why? I don't know. Like again, I didn't even know this debate was on. So why aren't they showing up? Well, you're touching on one of my soon-to-come articles. Seth. Ooh, I imagine it's. I imagine Ooh, it's on what website? Uh, Rough Coffee Media. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try got my name on site there. Fantastic. Um, no, but um, it's professionalism at its finest. <laughs> no, no, it's just messing around. Of course, I remember. No, it's just, I think more it's the fact that um, that Cameron seems to really struggle in in about PR spin. No, I think he's a very. Yeah, he's very. He might be meticulous himself. But I think it's the whole spin thing. He's, he seems quite obsessed with it, and I think that Cameron and, and Clegg will be the lo- biggest losers in regards to not showing up to this. I just think I can't see it being beneficial to them to not come and stand in a corner. What's to stop? I mean, it, it kind of seems a wee bit odd to me that Cameron wouldn't go and Clegg wouldn't go. But what's to stop one or other of them going? Like, well, no, I that, think I think is Cameron, there separate parties, or is it because the government? Cameron said he wasn't going, and I imagine if I was Nick Clegg, the reason I wouldn't want to go is because suddenly you're the representative of the government, which yeah, exactly. that's that's yeah, 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 that's a fair point. But I think if Nick Clegg had this idea, what would I thought? You're just going to be some sort of sense. He's just going to be pushed in the corner. Then again, the last debate, Cameron didn't even look interested because again, it's that you can't PR, you can't spin it. I think it's one of those things where they're the ones that. Have the most to lose and probably will lose the most as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Aye, cool, fair enough, right. Cool. Well, we'll end up uh, winning or a stronger. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, yep. etc. Uh, at rough, rough copy G11. Rough copy G11, that's right. Uh, Callum, you're on Twitter, aren't you? Yep, Callum McMillan2. Cool. I'm Stephen BMCI on it because we can't agree on how to say it, so I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Did you say you are Twitter? No, I said I'm Twitter. I am Twitter. I have Twitter. <laughs> Stephen um, B. Mackay. Cool, brilliant. Mackay. But Mackay spelt with an I. Right, cool. Uh, and I'm Andrew Revel. At Andrew Revel. Twitter.com. There are also other people, but they haven't come to a podcast no, yet, they so haven't. their Twitter handles yeah. don't matter. Sweet. Okay, thanks for listening, and uh, apologies for how long it is and rubbish. Um, I'm done. Cool. Yeah, cool. Happy days.